Good morning, everybody. Welcome to another edition of Wisdom Awakening. I'm your host, Bishop E.W. Jackson. Great to be back with you again this morning. Look, I want to get some announcement, uh, announcements out of the way before we get into the issues of the day and into the Word. I want to remind you all that this coming Sunday, I will be, that's the 17th, I will be in Myrtle Beach at First Baptist Church for a 10.30 a.m. service and for an afternoon service that begins, I think, at 6 p.m. Hold on, I've got that in my schedule, yes. 6 p.m. afternoon service, both, both at First Baptist Church, 504th Avenue, north in Myrtle Beach, South Carolina. So if you're in the area, stop by and see me. Come on and participate in this great program being sponsored by Alex McFarland. It's called Truth for a New Generation Conference. I'm excited about that, looking forward to being there. Um, so I wanted to get that out of the way, and I, I did some other things I'm going to be doing, but I'll wait until I get, uh, get a little closer to those. That's coming up this Saturday, and I wanted you to be aware of that. Oh, I should mention also right away, I will be in Little Rock, Arkansas on the 23rd, preaching at uh, Zoe uh, Church, and let me see if I have the address there, Zoe Bible Church, I should say at 1209 Pratt Road in Little Rock, uh, where the pastor Iverson Jackson, uh, my good friend, the son of the ministry, and, and uh, a, a national vice president of Stan, uh, we will be there for a great time in the Lord, for the love of God and country service. For the love of God and country service. So that's going to be a great opportunity. October 23rd, all my uh, friends in Little Rock, Arkansas, Stop by to see me, uh, all my friends in, that Ar in the Arkansas area, even if you don't live in Little Rock, stop by to see me. That's uh, October the 23rd, Saturday. That's going to be at, at 10 a.m. on Saturday. So that's going to be a Saturday morning program uh, because I'm going to be leaving there, heading back to be at my own church on Sunday. Uh, I I've been out a few times here in the last couple of months. I knew that September and October would be very busy months. Uh, and I've got one more event in November, and then for the next three months or so, I shouldn't be um, visiting any place else. I should be in my home church. As I said, I, I am home about 90% of the time, but I don't want you to come visit looking for me and catch me on that one ten percent one out of 10 times that I'm not going to be there and then be disappointed. So uh, after, uh, after this coming Sunday, as a matter of fact, I'm going to be there pretty much for about the next four months. I don't think I'm scheduled to be out any Sundays after that. I don't think, okay? I'm, I'm pretty sure I'm not. So, uh, look, uh, th the next thing I want to say to you is this. I want everybody to know that I am celebrating Columbus Day today and enjoying it. No, it's not Indigenous Peoples Day. I'm celebrating Columbus Day, okay? I don't mean anything against indigenous people or Native Americans. God bless them. I love them. But being an indigenous person is not something to celebrate. That's just something that's a fact of history. Christopher Columbus was an explorer. He was a man of great courage. He was a brilliant navigator, even though he didn't always, you know, quite get where he thought he was going to go. I mean, the thing is, he was a brilliant navigator because this man had a theory about being able to get to travel, I think, travel uh, west 
and end up getting east. <laughs> I think if I've got that right. And he understood that, the, that he wasn't trying to, I don't think he was trying to prove that the world was round per se, that there's some who say that. But I think what he was trying to say was that the waters, the navigable waters of the earth would allow you to start off in one direction and end up on the other side of the world. In other words, you can go full circle. So the man was a brilliant navigator. He was a brilliant uh, uh, navigational theorist, if you will, really ahead of his time. But he also was a Christian. That's right. Let me say for the record, for all of the people out there who are busy trashing Christopher Columbus, Christopher Columbus was my Christian brother, and I honor him and respect him and admire him. And like Christians all over the world since the time of Jesus Christ, he was not perfect. I am a Christian. I love the Lord. I am serious about my walk with Jesus Christ. I always try to do what is right, but I am not perfect, and I fall short. I miss the mark. I'm not going to judge Christopher Columbus by a standard higher than I judge myself. Just like me, he was a human being with flaws and blind spots and things that, you know, maybe he didn't quite grasp as fully as we would have liked, but you can't take away from the man that he was, that he was, a, I want to make sure everything is on here. <laughs> you can't take away from the man that he was a man of great honor, great courage, great integrity, great decency. Um, so, so now let's deal with the stuff that's said against him. Uh, first of all, the first thing, of course, is that he, he uh, and by the way, you know, the first place he landed, he didn't land on the shores of the North American continent. He landed on one of the islands between North and South America. And what did he name it? San Salvador. San Salvador. You know what San Salvador means? Holy Savior. Because he saw himself as advancing the gospel of Jesus Christ throughout the world. Now I know for the, for the, for the leftists who hate Christianity as well as they hate Europeans and hate all things Western and just, you know, just, 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 they're just crazy. Uh, that doesn't help, but it's extremely important to me as a Christian because he really believed that God was using him to reveal parts of the world hitherto unknown, at least unknown in the sense that people in other parts of the earth didn't know what was out there. And he saw himself as revealing that, but also taking the gospel of Jesus Christ around the world. He was, if you look at his his writings, his journal, and I've read some of that. In fact, I was hoping to bring the book, but I've got it packed away somewhere. I've got to find it. But I've got a book on the history of Christopher Columbus, and it's clear from the things he wrote in his journal. Christopher Columbus loved God, was very serious about serving God, saw himself on a mission to do God's will. So when the first place he landed, he called it Holy Savior, San Salvador. Now, all right, but what about all these accusations that Christopher Columbus committed genocide, that Christopher Columbus enslaved Indians, and on and on and on it goes. 
I think a lot of that is exaggerated, I, but, but I don't doubt that some of it may have happened. I tell you what, I do not believe that Christopher Columbus was a bloodthirsty man who landed with the intention of trying to kill and subjugate Native Americans. I believe Christopher Columbus wanted to convert people to Christianity. But here's the thing that you never hear, see? This is why I bring you a biblical worldview. Here's the thing that you never hear, that while when, when Europeans began to come to this continent, began to come to this hemisphere, they met Indians who were um, uh, friendly and cooperative and wanted to deal with them as fellow human beings. I mean, the famous Hiawatha uh, was one of those. And, and there, there are a couple of others who will come to mind. But there were... Indians, there were Native Americans who were brutal and bloodthirsty. And, and here again, I mean no disrespect to my Native Americans. You just stick with me to, and, and, and see where I'm going with this. You know, Native Americans were fighting over territory before Europeans got here. They were having tribal wars before Europeans got here. They were enslaving one another before Europeans got here. And when the African slaves began to come and they began to institute African slavery, Europe, Indians, Native Americans in what they call the Indian territories out in Oklahoma, they took full advantage of it and used plenty of slaves because slavery was something that was very much a part of their culture. It wasn't new to them. The white man didn't teach them, so to speak, the white man didn't teach them how to, to enslave people. Once again, folks, Slavery was a universal institution all over the world, and the world didn't even see slavery as immoral. It was Europeans who first began to introduce, because of their Judeo-Christian background, because of the principles of the Word of God, it was Europeans who first began to introduce the idea that slavery was an inherently and was inherently wrong in the sight of God and that human beings should not be placed in bondage to other human beings. It was Europeans who began to advance that idea, not because they were somehow intellectually or morally or spiritually superior, but because they kept confronting the truth of the word of God, which required love and compassion and decency, where well, you can't be loving and compassionate and decent towards someone who you treat as something less than human and subjugate and whip and, and, and just basically, you know, treat like, a, like a, a piece of property that you own. It's inconsistent with a biblical understanding of life and humanity. The Muslims never introduced that concept that, that slavery was, it was inherently wrong. The indigenous peoples of the world never introduced the concept that slavery was inherently wrong. And you get these cockamamie excuses. Oh, well, but their slavery was so much different than American slavery. Oh, give me a break. You know, people twist themselves into pretzels trying to justify their racism against Americans and against people of, of European ancestry. Twist themselves into pretzels trying to avoid the, the, the obvious. Slavery is inherently wrong. It is inherently brutal, even though it's not practiced in a brutal way by everybody who owned a slave, obviously. But it was inherently brutal because the person was an object, the person was owned. And this goes all the way back to time immemorial. You can trace it. 
there's never been a time, including today's time, when there hasn't been slavery and there haven't been people who thought that it was right and good and appropriate and that they had a right to enslave other human beings. But it was Europeans and then Americans who posited the idea that human beings were meant by God to be free and that it was inherently immoral to enslave another human being. Now, Christopher Columbus, of course, may not have had that revelation. But here's the other thing that you need to understand. People like to act like the Europeans got here and the, and the Native Americans were just living an idyllic life. It was like the Garden of Eden and they were planting and they were hunting and they were fishing and they were swimming in the rivers and the creeks and enjoying the mountains and all was well. Do you know that Native Americans practiced cannibalism? They practiced ritual murder and sacrifice. They fought wars against each other. And this whole idea of stealing the land, they didn't own the land. They lived on it. They didn't own it because they were fighting over territory themselves. Many of them were nomads who wandered around looking for following the buffalo herd or looking for the elk or or looking for, for um, a, a valley where they could plant for a season before moving on. Many of them were extremely nomadic. They didn't stay in one place. So this idea of trying to impose these modern notions, they own the land and the Europeans came and took it from them, is just silliness. Particularly when you think about that, in light of the 16th, 17th, 18th centuries, you ought to read, folks, Mary Graybar's book called Debunking the 1619 Project, because in that book, she goes into an extensive history about Native Americans before Europeans got here. Maybe not extensive, but, but significant, okay? Before, before Europeans got here, what were Native Americans doing? They were enslaving each other. And some of them, because they, had, they were, they were uh, part of a warrior culture, some of them saw Europeans as encroaching on their autonomy, and they weren't interested in living side by side with them in harmony. They were going to kill them. And Christopher Columbus confronted some of that hostility. You know, people never talk about the fact they act like Europeans just came and said, oh, yeah, let's wipe out all the Indians because they're no good. They don't, they, they never included in that history are European atrocities, I mean, are, are Indian atrocities against Europeans. The killing of women and children, the rapes, the murders, the burning down of, of their, their, their homes. And uh, this, this was not a one-way deal. The Native Americans were every bit as vicious and bloodthirsty and murderous as Europeans could be. And in fact, in many cases, they initiated the hostilities. Because the Europeans weren't coming here to fight. They were coming here to live. And the Indians often became hostile because they thought that they were encroaching on their territory or encroaching on their lifestyle or whatever. Now, they had a right to feel that way. 
but let's not act like this is all somehow the immorality of the Europeans or that it, or the, that in effect the Europeans were like somebody coming in and knocking on my door. When I open the door, they come in and say, well, I'm living here from now on. And then not only can I physically move them out, but I can go to court and say this person squatting on my property registered at this probate court uh, at, 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 with this registry of deeds. This is my property and this person does not have a right to be here. I am paying for it by my own work. And boom, out. And if they refuse to get out, they can get, be arrested and taken to jail. That's not the circumstance that Europeans came into in the American continent. People like to act like it was. Like we just bypassed the probate courts and just went right and just snatched the land. All over the world, folks, everything was up for grabs. The world was not governed by the rule of law. It was governed by force. And in just the same way that a predominant Native American tribe would take advantage of a weaker tribe, that's what happened all over the world. I'm not saying it's right. I'm just saying that's reality. And the idea of trying to make this somehow, oh, Europeans are particularly brutal and particularly racist. And, I mean, it's just silliness, just stupidity. Well, but with a motive, of course. And the motive is to, to get people all stirred up and get people believing that this one demographic group of people, they are the repository of all evil. They are bad. They are evil. All the rest of us are so good. We're so nice. And if it just weren't for white people, everything would be just wonderful. That's evil. <clears throat> now, what the Bible teaches is something very different than what the left is trying to because the left is using Hitler's model. Hitler wanted to destroy the Jews, and so what he did was he dehumanized them and turned them into the repository of all that is evil and all that is wrong, and every problem that's occurred is their fault. So when the time came to exterminate them, it was easy to do because, after all, they're rats, right? They're no good. They're the scourge of humanity. They're a plague on, us, on the rest of us. Now, you may think that's going too far, but I don't. I don't. When you start teaching little children who've done nothing to anybody that by virtue of their skin color and their ancestry that they are oppressors, that to me is nothing different than what Hitler was teaching people to think about Jews. That they're parasites, that they're cockroaches, that, they're, that, that they, are, they are feeding, they feed off the carcass of those that they in effect, economically, politically, whatever, kill, and then they feed off them like maggots. And the left is trying to paint Americans of European ancestry and Europeans, really, and Western civilization in general as the same thing. They don't go as far as to say exterminate them, but they might as well. Because when they paint a certain people based on their skin color, as the repository of all evil, well, you want to get, we all want to get rid of evil, right? Well, then, we know the easy way to get rid of evil is get rid of the people who are causing all the evil. And from the left's perspective, who is that? White people. Christopher Columbus was one of them, and he kind of pioneered the way. Well, he's dead now, and in heaven, by the way. <laughs> I'm looking forward to meeting him. 
can't do anything to him, but tear down his statue and debunk him. And he's, yeah, right. Christopher Columbus was a great man who did a great thing. He discovered this hemisphere and, send, and set the way for us to populate this continent. And I say us, all of us, whether we came from Ireland or Italy or Germany or Africa or you name the place. Hitler paved the way for us to populate this continent. And he deserves our recognition, our admiration, our honor. And I honor and respect Christopher Columbus. I believe he was a great man and a great Christian. Probably just makes leftist head explode to say, I'm going to meet Christopher Columbus one day because I believe Christopher Columbus is in heaven right now. And one day I'm going to meet him and, and talk to him and ask him questions about his journey and about the things that he dealt with. And, and, uh, and, and, and I'm sure he will, he will I'm, I'm not sure what conversations are like in eternity and how much we go into our past, whether we will go into those things. But I'm sure if it were proper and appropriate for him, he would say, yeah, I made some terrible mistakes. I made some terrible mistakes, but God was with me. And God looked beyond my faults and saw my needs. And God helped me to, to, to accomplish the impossible. See, because if somebody asked me about my mistakes in life, that's what I would say. Yeah, I may, I've made some terrible mistakes in life. But God has shown me mercy and loved me and helped me. And I've learned and done better and gotten better. You know, isn't it interesting that almost anything by a, uh, what they call, they're now calling a POC, P-O-C, <laughs> a person of color, and BIPOC is black indigenous people of color, a BIPOC. Almost anything they do is justified. If you find some, oh, well, you know, racism and this, that, and the other, you know, we've we got to find some justification for affirming their humanity. But when it comes to certain people, namely people of European ancestry, you don't affirm their humanity. They're the scourge of the earth. Everything that's wrong came from them. The fact of the matter is everything that's wrong came from the devil. We wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this world, against spiritual hosts of wickedness in high places. And we're supposed to put on the whole armor of God, not put on the hatred of racism and bitterness and anger and all this stuff. But that's what the left wants us to do. So you know what I would say to you? And to my Italian friends particularly, don't let these people steal your heritage. Don't let them take it away from you. Don't, don't. And, and to Americans in general, don't, don't let these statue-destroying, American-hating, Marxist-loving idiots destroy the culture of this country. Don't let them do that. You got a, 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 a statue of Christopher Columbus in your neighborhood, defend it. Defend it. And say it's going to stay right here, whether you like it or not. Don't look at it. Go look somewhere else. You're not going to destroy our culture. You're not going to take away our history. You're not going to trample the, tra the great traditions of this nation. And you're not going to turn every person who's important in our history into some kind of monster because they weren't perfect. 
as if the people who are doing this somehow they're perfect. Oh, they're the oh, oh, they're the paragons of virtue. They're the icons of all that is good and right and decent. Oh, please. I never met, I've seen a bigger bunch of scoundrels and these people involved with Black Lives Matter and these people involved with Antifa, the biggest bunch of scoundrels you ever want to see, full of hatred and bitterness and violence and full of evil Marxist ideology. And they want us to destroy our, our understanding of Columbus and destroy all vestiges of his great achievement and admire them. No, thank you. I'll stick with Christopher Columbus because I don't see anything admirable in these people. They need to repent and, and accept the gospel of Jesus Christ and repent of their sins and, and realize the, the, the monstrous thing that they're doing to this country and to others, uh, including our children. And by the way, let me just add before I get to the book of Philippians, You know, one of the things that they're doing is now using this COVID thing to, I think, practice their tyrannical impulses. Hard to do in America to practice those impulses because we have this constitution that does not give us rights. It secures the rights that God gave us. And you got these people around the country called patriots who understand that constitution and, and believe in the God who gave us those rights and are not willing to surrender them to anybody for any reason. But you got these folks who see this COVID, this communist Chinese Wuhan virus. Yeah, and that's what it is. It's a communist Chinese Wuhan virus. It's a virus that the communists concocted in a laboratory in Wuhan and unleashed upon the world. Now, Xi Jinping, take that. I want us to hate our country. I, if I was a Chinese and said that in China, I wouldn't last. With, I, I'd be arrested before I could even finish this podcast. And I know there's some leftists in this country who love China and hate America. Go live there. Go bow down to Xi Jinping. Let him be your God. But this COVID thing is unleashing the tyrants in our culture. You all saw that Southwest shut down uh, 1,800 flights, and they were, they're pretending it was weather, it was this, it was that. No, it's because the pilots' union has had, frankly, a soft shutdown, a soft strike. They're not calling it that, but that's what they're doing because they don't want to be forced to take this shot. But the tyrants of our country who believe that they know what's best for all are now having a sort of a dress rehearsal for their little totalitarian dream. Oh, won't it be great when we can control everybody and everything? Let's practice with COVID, getting everybody to do exactly what we tell them to do. This is not about freedom, Joe Biden says. Tell that to your son who's busy making money as if he was Van Gogh, half million dollars for a stupid painting that he came up with. Give me a break. It is about freedom. That is precisely what it's about because that's what America is about. We're not like China. We're not like any other country in the world. 
we are freedom loving people and we don't like being told that you're going to shoot something into us, inject something into us, whether we like it or not. Even if you use a corporate bypass and you get the corporations to do your bidding, we still don't like being told. And so now pilots, whether they're left, right, Democrat, Republican, independent, whatever they are saying, no, 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 wait, wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. You are violating my personal autonomy now and I'm not going to go along with it. You got nurses and doctors who work in hospitals who presumably know the, know the medicine, know the science and said, no, 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 I'm not, I'm not taking that in part because they've seen what's happened to some of the people who have had it. Paralysis, blood clots, myocarditis, swelling of the heart and death. In fact, this doctor I had on said that she believes that long term, this thing may be dropping the shield that we have in our body, the immune system that defends us against deadly diseases like cancer. But then we're going to force you to take it, whether you like it or not. We're going to force you to do it. Shut up, bow down, do what we tell you to do. There's just one problem with that. We're Americans. We don't bow down. We don't have a government that forces us and tells us what to do. We're free. And we covet that freedom. And just like Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego were told, okay, you all come on over here and bow down to this statue. While you bow down, we're going to inject your butts with these, <laughs> with these hypodermic needles. <laughs> Well, that wasn't really part of the story. That's my little, you know, interlineation to, to add a little humor to this. But they said, we're not, we're not bowing down. We're not, we're not, we're, we're not sticking our butts up for you to inject us with anything. <laughs> oh, my goodness. And so Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego said, no, we're not bowing down. Praise God. No, I'm not bearing my arm. Nope, nope. So well, I'm going to throw you into the fiery furnace. Oh, really? You're going to, you're going to sick the FBI on me, huh? You're going to sick the, 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 my employer on me, huh? You, you're going to, you're, you're going to intimidate me now. Well, you better heat that baby up because not only am I going into the fiery furnace, but I'm not even going to get burned. Glory to God. See that, that Judeo Christian principle and value uh, and, 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 and heritage in us. Now, there are those who are trying to reject that and trying to destroy that, but that heritage that is in most of us will not allow us to do it. And by the way, you want to do the vaccine? You want to take that shot? God bless you. You do it. That's your choice. I'm not criticizing people who take it. I'm not criticizing people who wear masks. I'm not criticizing any of that. You know what I'm crit I'm critiquing the idea of Americans being forced by our government to step out of its proper role of serving us and try to turn us into its servants and sycophants and slaves. That's what I'm objecting to. I'm not criticizing anybody who's had the vaccine. God bless you. That was your, if that was your choice and you did that, and you did what you thought was best for you, and I have nothing bad to say about you. When somebody says, look, I feel better wearing the mask, 
I say I'm not sure, frankly, I'm not convinced that it helps, but I wear masks when I'm required to because I want other people to know that I respect their sense of safety and security and I want to be considerate of them. The Bible, I think, teaches us as Christians to do that. I don't think it has any effect at all. But nevertheless, I do it. But if you believe that and you do it, God bless you. Good. Do it. Wear your mask. I don't like the masked Nazis who are running around to, you know, trying, you know, trying to order everybody else. I mean, leave other people alone. But nevertheless, I don't have a problem with people making their own choices, but I do have a problem with government making the choice for us. So I just wanted to get that, get that out there. I'm, I am, I am proud as a patriot and, and proud as an American of the folks who are standing up and saying, no, we're not going along. That's what Americans do. We're not going along. We're free and you will not treat us like slaves. All these people running around talking about slavery that ended 150 years ago, and now they want to treat the American people like slaves today, all of us, regardless of background. They want to treat us all like slaves. Well, we're not going along. All right, let's get back to uh, Philippians. That's where I was just hit it and never got there. Okay. Philippians chapter, let's see, we're in chapter 3. Yes, we're in chapter 3. And I finished at verse 11. And, and now we get into something that I was just talking about. See, the Bible says, There is none righteous, no, not one. All have sinned and come short of the glory of God. All, if I may use these as shorthand for now, all black people have sinned, all white people have sinned, all yellow people have sinned, all red people have sinned, all brown people have sinned, whatever ethnicities you associate with all that. All have sinned and come short of the glory of God. There's no demographic group of people that are particularly sinful. Everybody's sinful. And the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. We all need a savior. We all need salvation. You see? So this 12th verse where we're going now sort of drives that point home. Not that I have already attained or am already perfected. Wow, we could pause there, couldn't we? Not that I have already attained or am already perfected. I know I'm not. I know George Washington wasn't. Thomas Jefferson wasn't. Patrick Henry wasn't. James Madison wasn't. James Monroe wasn't. George Mason wasn't. Samuel Adams wasn't. John Adams wasn't. Ben Franklin wasn't. Of course, Jefferson and Franklin are the main two who are, whose Christianity is often questioned. But for all of them, None of us has attained or are already perfected. You know, what, the, what communism and Marxism does is it suggests that if we can only change the system, we can all be perfect. And coming from Karl Marx, who was, uh, uh, frankly, in my view, lazy, no account, didn't take care of his own family, depended upon the wealth of Mark Engels, who's... Um, Fred, Mark, Fred, <coughs> Frederick Engels, whose father was 
wealthy and, and subsidized his son's scholarship and writing, and Marx leached off of Engels to take care of his own family, or, or his family would have starved. But Engels was, you know, he was starry-eyed over Marx. He just thought Marx was the most brilliant thing he'd ever seen, and he, he, he just, you know, shelled out money for Marx to take care of himself and his family on an ongoing basis. Marx was, was a person of poor character. But yet, yet, his ideology will tell us, oh, everybody's perfectible, everybody. If we just change the system to create a system that I have in mind, nirvana, perfection, utopia. Yeah. That coming from, as far as I'm concerned, one of the biggest historical fools that ever lived on the earth, and Marx was. To me, two of the most evil, wicked, and, and, and influential figures in human history are uh, Charles Darwin and Karl Marx. Because they, have, they, they, they are responsible for spreading more evil than any other two figures in human history, in my view. I mean, Adolf Hitler was inspired by Charles Darwin. Survival of the fittest. And of course, how many hundreds of millions of people directly or indirectly have been killed by the ideology that Karl Marx spewed into the earth? And by the way, Karl Marx really loved Charles Darwin because Karl Marx thought that that's the same, that his theory worked for societies, that societies that fail to live up to their potential devolve and, and are destroyed. And communism, the ultimate evolutionary um, prize, if you will, for society emerges from all these fallen, broken systems of capitalism. Yeah. Not that I've already attained or I'm already perfected, but I press on that I may lay hold of that for which Christ Jesus has laid hold of me. So I'm not perfect. You're not perfect. But here's what we're supposed to be doing. <clears throat> I say we are all on a journey. We may be at different points along the way. Obviously, I'm a more mature Christian than somebody who just got saved yesterday. But, but we're on the same journey. That person's just at a different point in his or her journey. That person is certainly not perfect. But even though I'm far along on the journey, neither am I. But I press on that I may lay hold of that for which Christ Jesus has laid hold of me. In other words, there's a plan. There's a purpose for my life. And I've got to press on toward the full maturity and growth that allows me to fulfill the potential that God saw in me when he laid hold of me. See, you know, when the Bible talks, Jesus said, be perfect, even as your Father in heaven is perfect. He knew that we would never be perfect on this earth, but he meant that we're supposed to be holding up the standard of Almighty God as our goal and constantly trying to move toward that. I was re reflecting um, about forgiveness. I don't know what it was that prompted me, but you know, I often, you know, sort of think about things 
uh, things happen. I, I sort of think about the implications from a biblical perspective um, of those things that have happened. And I was thinking about forgiveness the other day. Oh, I'll tell you what, what prompted me to think about it. I was thinking about something that happened uh, not too long ago that in a, a, a sort of a person did something extremely disappointed and frankly backstabbing and betraying. Um, but I was thinking, I, and I've forgiven it already. I mean, I really have. I really have. I've forgiven it already. But I was thinking about this whole process of forgiveness and, and this sort of mulling over in my mind, you know, forgiveness is not a suggestion or a good idea. It's a commandment. It is a commandment. And I'll tell you something, I'm better at it now than I was 25, 30, 40 years ago, but I still haven't mastered it completely. because it is a grace in us that must be perfected through the mind, through the soul, through the emotions. See, your spirit man, if you are a Christian, your spirit man is cap perfectly capable of forgiving. That's where the impulse to forgive comes from. Your spirit man is completely and totally joined with the Holy Spirit. You are, that's, that's what makes you a new creature in Christ Jesus. But my, my, my skin is not new. My mind is not new. My mind must be renewed. My body is not new. It's been aging over the years since I was a kid. I don't look the same way I looked when I was six years old. It's the, it's the same old body that I had. Thank God it's healthy. But, it's, but it's, 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 it's the same body, older than it was, of course. But on the inside, I'm a new person. And the impulse to forgive comes from that new man on the inside. But that mind, which remembers what was done to me, those emotions that don't like it one bit, still want to resist that impulse. Well, you know, well, I had somebody say something to me um, at a meeting, it doesn't matter where, but it was just a sort of in passing, but it was insulting. It was insulting. And I found myself uh, the other night, I was working out, and I don't know what brought it to mind, but I was working out and suddenly it came up. You know how things trigger, one thing triggers another, and then you find yourself, you say, well, what the, why am I thinking about that? But the more I thought about it, the angrier I got. When I see that person, I'm gonna, you know, so, and I realized that. But without an apology, without an explanation, without, I've just got to forgive. I've just got to forgive it, and I do. But, I stewed too. I'm not there yet. I stewed. Might still be stewing a little bit, but don't tell anybody. <laughs> but, but look, there was a time in my life, that certainly before I was saved, and maybe, not maybe, to some extent even after I was saved, 
I would have thoughts of getting back and thoughts of vengeance and thoughts of how I'd make a person pay for what they did to me. I don't, I don't think that way anymore at all, at all. So you see, I've grown, I've, I've, I've matured, I've been pressing on to lay hold of that for which Christ Jesus has laid hold of me, but I'm still not there. That's how God is looking at us. He's looking at us as a work in progress. But you know, it, it's, it's just interesting to me that leftists want us to look at American history, our founding fathers and other heroes of, of our history and other figures of our history, including the figures in the Confederacy, for example, as just absolutely rotten, low down, no good, despicable, disgusting, racist people who don't even deserve to be mentioned. Well, guess what? They were human beings too, with all the same issues that other human beings have, and internal conflicts and, 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 and issues of conscience. I, and I know there are monsters, there are psychopaths and sociopaths who kind of just revel in evil. I know that, but that's not most people. Most people are or a complicated mix of conflicting ideas and, and values and impulses. And Christians are, are, are people who are trying to get it right sometimes, critiquing ourselves and thinking, boy, but I'm not, I don't feel like I'm even coming close. That's how I look at our history. That's how I look at you. That's how I look at me. I said, if I judge you harshly, the Bible says, with the judgment you judge, so shall you be judged. All these people judging our founding fathers so harshly, they better watch it because they're setting up the basis for their own judgment. You know, we're supposed to, to, to show grace, show mercy. And as I've said, that's why I distinguish between how I deal with any individual and how I deal with broad movements that are trying to fundamentally alter the nature of our country. To me, those are two different categories. One, I show mercy and compassion. The other, I want to destroy. Not the people, but the movement, the ideas, the things that they are trying to do. I said, you know, I don't hate leftists, but I sure do hate what they do. All right, that's going to do it. I got to go. Uh, but because I could, I could, I've just gotten warmed up. <laughs> but this is good. So we'll come back to verse 13 of Philippians chapter 3. This is a really, really, really rich passage. I love this passage. Uh, so God bless each and every one of you. I'll be back with you again today, 1 p.m. Eastern time on the awakening with plenty to talk about American family radio. Don't forget, by the way, download my app. Okay. Download my app. I'm trying to bring it up here. There it is. I mean, this, this app is really gorgeous. I didn't build it, so I'm not complimenting myself, but I'm, I'm complimenting the person who did build it and, and, and grateful for the job that he did for me. 
uh, the, the app is just great. And, and through the app, you can keep up with pretty much everything I'm doing. In fact, I'm pretty sure that this is live streaming through the app right now, if I'm not mistaken. Well, look, I better go because I'll, otherwise I'll keep going. God bless you. Remember, we cannot be defeated if we will not quit because we are on God's side.